0: Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. So we're, uh, we're week two in the series in the book Ecclesiastes, I have to admit i've never i've read through it a few different times but i've i 've never done a teaching series going chapter by chapter so uh, i'm excited about what we've done so far hopefully we we, we challenge everybody this last week to, if you're here to, to read it, actually, not just sometimes you come to church and we hear a message, and but actually be involved with the message by reading up to the, the place of, that we'll be talking about today. And we're going to jump into chapter two in a moment, but what I would encourage you to do as is a, is a summer reading opportunity is to practice a little tool called SOAP. SOAP stands for Scripture, and then Observation is the O, uh, what, did, what truth did you get out of the Scripture you read, and then Application is the A, how does it apply? of my life and then pray. Say, Lord, how do I take what I learn and, and actually do something with, with it? So encourage you to practice that as a way to study up and just to do that through through the summer and to read up. And so next week we'll hit chapter 3, so read chapter reach 3 and you come a little bit more prepared, going, oh, I, I'm familiar with the passage that we're looking at. So, in your hand out there, in the listening guide, in the bottom portion, under the Doing Life Together is a summer study, you can do that. You can do that individually, you can do it with your family, you can do it as a small group, if your group's still kind of meeting for barbecues and picnics and things like that, uh, to be a part of, we, we provide that for you. So, week 2, that's what we're looking at here. Chapter 2, we're going to jump in now, last week if you weren't here. I want to just preface who wrote it. King Solomon was the one who, who as we learn, as discovered in history, is that he had it all. He had wealth. He had power. He had pleasure. He had everything you could have. The person would even want or even desire. But he, at the end of it all, even in chapter one, and you see it throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, he just says this. It's meaningless. Meaningless. Utter meaningless. He goes on to say, as as we just saw, the chasing after the wind. And what he was, he was striving for, it just seems so elusive. Just when he thinks it was in his grasp, just when he had, it, had thought he had tamed something, it kind of vanishes, it dissipates. And, and you know that feeling in your life where you're just trying to grasp something that just seems so transparent. And as and we looked at that, that, it's like a vapor, it's like a mist that life is so short and it's so brief. And, and, and our, as we talked last week on the bubbles, that the bubbles that come that we get and we try to grab after after it, it ends up just bursting before us, and we can live many times in exasperation and and in great disappointment, even depression, that we finally just go, what is even the point of it all, right? And that's exactly the point of Ecclesiastes. Then we're going to look again this morning. It, it, there, there's something about this this chase of life that we live life for the chase. We all love the chase, don't we? We all love chasing after certain things. And I think part of it is there's a competitive nature within us. We have this within our desire. And I, I took anthropology in college, and I think I got a B-, minus. so I don't know if I was an expert in any of it, but... There's two primal instincts, a male, female. Men are typically hunters, and women are gatherers, okay? And, and this is especially true in, in the mall. Now, I know now things have changed with, with uh, shopping online, but back in the day, you remember that? Back in the day, we used to go like, to, to the mall. I don't know if anybody does that anymore. But men and women shop typically different. Now some men you might argue with me, women you might argue with me, but but I would just say my wife and I were really different in shopping. So for me, shopping, I think I'm the typical guy, I am the hunter, okay? You know this is classic of men. We go in there, like, and I probably go in, and maybe, you know, some men maybe hunt two, three times a year. I, I, I hunt for shopping clothes two or three times a year. And if I do, I'm buying a bunch of stuff. I, if I'm going in, I'm going in. I'm going to get, I'm going to fill my, you know, my card, my ticket, my, 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 what Whatever I, my, I can, what is it, Kelsey, that I'm trying to get? The tags. I'm filling all my tags when I go in. And, 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 but I'm going in, if I'm going for shirts, I'm going for shirts. That's what I'm hunting for. I'm in, I'm out, I'm bagging it, I'm dragging it home, okay? That's what I got. My wife, on the other hand, is a little bit different. She shops for, catch this out, fun, <laughs> enjoyment. She, it's relaxing to her. And so, and better—it's better that I don't go with her. she does really better by herself. She's like, "What did you do? I went shopping. Oh, what did you buy?" No, she would spend hours—I'm talking hours—in the stores and then come home with nothing. Now, some of you are like, "Well, that's a—that's a pretty cheap hobby. That's great." But really, all that effort, trying on clothes and everything, ah, I, didn't, I didn't find anything, I didn't, there wasn't anything I, I like. We're all, we're all a little bit different. But within us, whether you're a hunter or whether you're a gatherer, there's, a, there's an excitement in the chase. There's something that we're chasing after all through our lives. And, 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 you know, we have ambitions, we have goals, we have desires. We like that chase. And in, even in this here we're in this graduation season, some of you sat through some pretty long commencements. This is the season for that. Some of them are from very inspiring speeches, but many of the speeches say the same thing every year. It's this find yourself, follow your passion, chart your own course, march through your own drum bait. And the classic, this is the classic here, chase your dreams. Chase chase after them. But let me ask you this question: what what are you chasing? Well, what are you chasing in life are you chasing maybe finish at school a job a love relationship another some of you are chasing to have another child maybe another pro- big project at work you're hoping to chase that promotion. Some, some of us are looking at a new home, a new car, a new boat, the nice new shiny thing. Some, some people are here, you're getting closer to retirement age. You are chasing after that. Like you're counting literally the days. I know people are doing that. Just can't wait. To, somehow we're just chasing this all elusive American dream. But here's the question whatever you're, whatever it is, whatever today you're chasing, even in your mind, you're like, oh, now I'm distracted because, yeah, I'm looking to do this and I want to do that, you know, and all this. And you, in your mind, you're, you're thinking this stuff through. Like, w- let me just ask this question What happens when you get it? What then? That's exactly what. Solomon asks in, in great detail. We're going in great detail here in chapter 2. We get to listen in on a conversation he's basically having with himself of all that he, he's, he's accomplished and done. And what we do is what we learn is some lessons learned. And I think there's some application that we can find in this that we're going to look at our own lives. I think we're going to find ourselves really relating with him. Maybe not on the level of what he has experienced and obtained in life. But the sediment of this idea of elusiveness that we're chasing after. And listen, listen as we get jumping in this thing. There's a, there's a lot of verses, so stick with me on this. Chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. What, but what that also proved to be is meaningless. Laughter, I said, it's madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself up with wine, embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. If you picture Solomon in, the, in this modern day, it is it is a trip to Vegas. It is a it is a, a place to go on a resort. Every place I you know no spare no expense. He's here chasing you say this, chasing after pleasure. Chasing after pleasure. He's real. He's honest. He says this. I'm trying to cheer myself up. You ever done that, right? I just kind of need to cheer myself up. I need to do something fun. We need to We need to relax. And again, nothing wrong with that at all. But we know what happens sometimes having a good time and what it can lead to. Many people are, you know, remember the days and the commercial it says, you know, weekends are made for Michelob, right? We we heard that uh, uh, recreational drugs, or party, or sexual experiences, entertainment, amusement, all of that. Is is wonderful what happens though when is when the money is not an obstacle it can it could be down a very fast road and self-destructive path very quickly we we look back at celebrities like Elvis and and Michael Jackson and Kurt Cobain and people like that that had everything and blew out everything and then chasing 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 after pleasure Solomon would be in that 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 category Related to pleasure of, of what happens when that high wears off and the ride is over, it leads to addiction, guilt, shame, and again, destruction of, of lives very, very quickly. But, but if it wasn't pleasure, he, it looks like he poured himself on being productive, that he was chasing success. Verse 4, he says, I understood great projects. I built houses for myself, planted vineyards. I made gardens. I planted uh, in parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. And I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. This is Solomon. And and history shows and ancient, you know, findings and archaeological digs, All they found that that really looking back that, that Solomon was true in what he built and what he accomplished. He really was trying to recreate Eden. Some of you have gone to Bushart Gardens in Victoria. That would have been a, you know, a weed garden, okay, compared to what he had built up and done. And, and maybe it's not building a garden for some of us. It might be building a career or building a business. And many times, over and over, I find people and run people all the time that build, 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 build their, whatever, their their nest egg and everything they're doing, and, they, and they're in these big homes, and then they find themselves very, very empty. They, they, they didn't war- we take the warning of Jesus' words that if you... You kind of win the whole world and lose your own soul. Now, if it wasn't producing, it was possessing. There's the chasing after Solomon of possessions. Verse 7, he says, I, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone else in Jerusalem before me. I amazed amazed in silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as, as well. The delights of a man's heart. Look at this, palaces, riches, and wives. It ended up, at the end of, much of it became a downfall for him. I mean, it's 700 wives, 1 Kings tells us, and 300 concubines. I mean, and when then they find out, these wives, these, this influence, imagine that much influence affected his, his devotion to God. First Kings 11, it says in verse 6 that he did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. Because of the influence that he allowed himself to be a part of. In some ways, with this influence, and, and all he had, he, he owned it all, but at the end of the day, it owned him. He had, he had a sickness that plagues American culture today. It's called affluenza. The, the, the affluence that we have can affect, if we're not careful, it can affect us. And, in, and if we're not careful, what we possess will eventually possess us. And so if we're not careful, it becomes a trap that we believe in our values, what we acquire. And we end up believing this, we, we, this lie that more will, more will be better. That, and it's such a trick. It's so elusive. It's, it's what Solomon's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing after the wind. It never, ever is enough. The other thing he was chasing after was power. Solomon, I, I call it. He makes the Muhammad Ali statement here in verse nine, beginning. He says, "I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I am the greatest." He's basically just going, "There's no one like me." There's no, no. And he was right when it comes to the kings of Israel. Solomon ended up being the pinnacle of the king. His kingdom had, it was the biggest kingdom, the the, the most richest kingdom, the most resources, the biggest military, the strongest military. He had all this, he was at the top. But it's hard to stay at the top, isn't it? You think of world record holders or people that you look up to, and like, man, someone comes along and breaks the record. That the poor dude with the, the the Jeopardy man. He had he was. Did you hear about that? Like he was one game away from winning like the most ever in Jeopardy, which I think he still ended up having two million dollars. Not a, not a bad not a bad uh, amount of money to win, but he was just that close. And then someone comes along and beats him, and it ended up being somebody that had wrote their thesis on how to play Jeopardy, which didn't help him. At all. But there always will someone come along. There will never be enough power and prestige and everything. And so verse 11, or sorry, verse 12, Solomon pauses his assessment. And so he reflects so far. He goes, all of those things. He goes, and all my wisdom stayed with me. I deny myself nothing my eyes desired. I refuse my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor and this was the reward for all my toil and listen he does when I surveyed all my hands have done and what I've toiled to achieve everything was meaningless a chasing after the wind nothing was gained under the sun he's saying I can't find in pleasure and production and possessions and power but then there was one more thing There was one more thing. After all that he surveyed, there's one thing. It's the one thing that that God gave him as a young king, and it was wisdom. He was chasing after wisdom. Listen to what he writes now later years of his life about this. He said, then I turn my thoughts to consider wisdom, also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than he's already been done? I saw the wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? Even the very thing, the very thing that he asked God for, that God granted him. And by the way, God granted him all this power, all this prestige, and everything was there. And he used it to the fullest extent. Here he is considered the wisest person in history. What Then do I gain by being wise. Well, here's how he answers it. He said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise like the fool will not be long remembered. The day has already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. Solomon in all his wisdom came to this conclusion that he was a fool. He came to this place and realized being the wisest person in his life, he wasn't as wise as he should have been and needed to be. Recognizing he was a fool because he turned away from the one that gave it to him all. Gave everything to him. The one that that he did, Scripture talks about how he did evil in the eyes of the Lord and, and led his life astray. He says this, I chased after everything under the sun and I was a fool. So what is his response? It even gets more grimmer. <laughs> it even gets more depressing. Listen to this, stick with me on this. Verse 17, so I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All that is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I've toiled for under the sun. Because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows? Whatever that person will be wise or foolish. And yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil. Which I poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. Don't miss the heaviness, what he's saying here. He's saying his foolishness of chasing after selfishness will then affect the next generation. And they will feel the effects of sinful life. And that was so true. Rehoboam, who, became, who was his son who became the king, was, was so far from God and turned away, did not follow the Lord. And there was civil war that broke out. Rehoboam's kingship got divided North and southern kingdom of Israel, and never to be the same again, even till, not until 1948, by the way, that, that, that it all came together, where there's, this, there's now a nation state, which is pretty amazing in our modern history. But all those years and all, the, all that happened, look back in Solomon's life in the beginning point. Even if you look back in his, his, his father David, and the, what we find is this that the, the, the selfishness of one generation is the price that the next generation. Will pay. Solomon is wrecked of all these thoughts, and even for the future, where he where he comes to this place and says this So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, and knowledge and skill, and then they must leave all they've owned to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless, a great misfortune. What do people get from all the toil and anxious striving which which what, with which the labor under the sun all these days, their work is grief, pain, and even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Now, how many of you feel really good right now? I just feel so encouraged by what I just read. It's real though, isn't it? It's, it's relatable for us. We can all just think about how we've run after and how we've chased after so many things out there. And at the end of the day, we can feel so empty. Solomon, at the end of it all, he was anxious. He lost sleep. He was frustrated. When the party ends, he, had, it, it, he felt like he lost everything. It was meaningless. It was it's the, meaningless. The word in Hebrew is "hevel," which doesn't mean pointless as we looked at. It means breath. It means smoke. It means vapor. As we talked last, like like a bubble burst. It's brief and it's gone. And this lucidness of life, this, this chase, you see, you see in all the details of all the 23 verses that we just read, Solomon expresses what we conclude is this. If life is a chase, it's something you take. If life is a chase, it's something you take. It's, it's something you run after. For. You run after good times. You work hard and run after that, that success that's there, that it's out there. And, and what we're trying for is this, this illusion of this good life that we can have. And you run, 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 and you're hoping for the next hill to climb. And yet nothing truly satisfies. Now, I want you to look over the list that Solomon had for us. What he chased after. Take a look at this list. Those are the things that we just read. Those twenty-three verses. This is what, now. I want you to think about for all the that the you're chasing after. In fact, think about this: Who are you chasing after, or what are you chasing after? Laughter. Come on, you have a good time, right? Fun. Wine, some of us would put coffee maybe in there. Property, nature, accomplishment, wealth, music, sex, importance, wisdom, all those things we can chase after. And now you're looking at, like, well, is that a bad list? There's nothing inherently wrong with that list. They're all things that we can desire and, and that, that we can chase after in life. And within the context and boundaries, they're not sinful. They're, but it's all about motive. Here's the question. What are you chasing after? What are you desiring? Because all of those, at the end of the day, in themselves, we've got to remember this, in themselves, are not bad, but they're not enough. They're not enough. Solomon came to that place, and for us, and what a gift that he's given us to recognize it's not enough. So here's the question then, is what's missing? What's missing? Verse 23, or, or 23 verses, grueling, painful verses. What's missing? Well, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a what, it's a who. Let's get to it right here. Verse 24. He writes this, Solomon writes, a person can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their toil. This too, I see, here it is, from the hand of God, from with him, who can find, who can eat or find enjoyment? Solomon, finally you're getting to God. Finally you're mentioning the Lord in all this. See, Solomon God, and I hope you get it, that we don't miss how simple the truth is this. There's no better way to find true joy, to find true meaning, try, tr- true satisfaction in life than when we finally realize the one who has given it to us. I know that sounds so, 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 so simple. But if we're running after all these things and not acknowledging and not recognizing who the one has given it to, we've missed it completely. That true joy, satisfaction, contentment, peace, whatever you're after is is knowing this, is knowing it's through a relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. We introduced this thought last week. We're going to continue the thought throughout the summer is this. Life under the sun is meaningless, but life with the sun is meaningful. Did you catch what we did there? True life is found just, not just living under the S-U-N son, but living in a relationship with the S-O-N son of God. Good, bad experiences that we have happen in our life, it really comes to that of finding true meaning and true purpose. So here's the question in all this. Here's, how do we get to it? What if we just stop chasing what if we just stop chasing? That's what Solomon in this place of acknowledgement he recognized it. And what if we did the same? Instead, if instead of if life is a chase, it's something you take, if that's how you think of life. What if we did this? What if we made that when life is a choice, it's something that we receive? Life is a choice. It's something we receive. Solomon concluded, in, in our choice, he says, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in own toil. This is too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him who can eat or find enjoyment? And then he says this, to the person who pleases him, who's him? The Lord. God gives wisdom, knowledge, happiness, but the sinner, he gives the task of gathering, storing up wealth, to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless chasing after the wind. He acknowledges the fact that at the end of the day, life is a choice. Life is not a ch- to be a chase. It is to be this choice that we have and to recognize what we receive. But we need to acknowledge the fact that whatever you're chasing after and it's, the, and it's not God is considered an idol. It's an idol. Anything you put before God, anything that you put on the throne of your heart, you're saying that is... King, not Christ to be king. Solomon tells us that the sinner, the one who lives apart from God under the sun, the S U N sun, finds meaningless, heavily, smoke, vapor, breath. It's so short and so fast and it burns out so quickly. So here's the thing what if we stopped chasing wind and just chose life as this amazing gift? from God? What if we simply accepted life as a wonderful gift where we find that joy, find that peace, find that satisfaction that we have? What if we lived our life as a gift from God? Think about this. It would change everything about our perspective in life and recognize God is the giver of life. James tells us this. He says, do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Listen, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father in heavenly lights. Your whole existence is a gift that you've received. Everything you have received is from him. And we recognize it and understand it. It changes everything. For us, think about this. Instead of, in our chase after things, instead of anxiety, instead of, of, of just despair and dissatisfaction, that we're continuing to go, what if we just accepted what we have as a gift? It would change everything, even how we saw beyond our life. We, what will happen is we, we begin to view death as not the end of the party, but we actually view it as approaching death as thankful for the years and the work God's given us on this earth, to be present with him and, and knowing that one day we will be fully present with in heaven. When we live as life as a gift, what we end up doing is that we aren't entitled to anything. I think one of the biggest challenges in our lives is when we attain certain things or get certain things, somehow then we're entitled to more. <laughs> I got this position, I'm entitled to this is what I get out of it. I'm doing this and this is what I get. This is what I, and we get in the getting mode so much in our chase and rather than going, no, life is such a beautiful, amazing gift. That wisdom comes with the fact when we recognize that our lives are not about getting, our lives end up being more and more about thanksgiving and, and worship. Rather than focusing on so much of this life, we're fo- not. We're focusing on beyond that. There's meaning and there's purpose beyond. And when you can conclude this. I would say it this way: When life is a gift, then if we recognize that it's something that we're called to steward. Now that we've received it, what we have given, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Now, what are we going to do with it? Now, I want to put this list back up, and I want you to think now in terms of this list. As a gift, everything you 've been chasing for could be on some of those things could be on that list, but now the fact when I asked, asked you earlier, what if you got it all? What do you get what 's next? Well, there you go. life is filled with amazing gifts. these are wonderful gifts. If you think of it this way, the gift of laughter, the gift of fun, the gift of wine again, put coffee in there if you want to. Property, nature, accomplishment, wealth, music, sex, importance. All these are gifts from God's in the context of God's word and what we receive. They're wonderful things. I think many times, again, we can put that list up of people don't want to be a Christian. It's because I can't do those things. No, in the context of what God's given us, there are wonderful gifts in the boundaries He has. It's amazing. It's an amazing life we have. But those gifts are not just for ourselves. We are to steward those gifts wisely for God's kingdom. What we receive, we steward. Steward means this. Something within God's will and the light of scripture that we use for his purposes, not our purposes alone. Jesus made this so clear. He summed up Solomon's words to leave with you this morning to help us understand it's absolutely cr- critical. If we're, help, we're trying to stop the chase and simply be in a place of receiving as everything is a gift, listen to what he says. It just, it's just parallels what Solomon came to this. He says, Jesus says, do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink what shall we wear for the, listen to this for the pagans what? Run after these things. They, they chase after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows that list before. He knows all that you need and want even desire. But then he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What are all those things? There was a big list up there already. All these things will be given to you as well. We don't have to chase after those things. Who we need to chase after is Jesus Jesus is who we chase after. Jesus is our focus. Jesus is who we seek. Jesus is the one that we we, we go after. And what he says, he'll take care of us. All these things they end up not something we chase after. It's a gift that we receive. It's the byproduct. All those things are a bonus if you all you need is Jesus. Amen. amen. I never call for Amen a lot, but that's an amen right there. <laughs> Everything is a gift. Everything is a gift. My wife and I were celebrating 25 years Tuesday. And we're excited. Every time I say it, people clap. I don't do that for applause, but that's, that's wonderful. You guys are awesome. And we just had a night away, and I, I thought about our time. And it was such a gift that we were able to have with one another. And, and we had a nice little room overlooking the sunset. Beautiful. And like, it just felt like this incredible, beautiful gift of 25 years in the making beautiful gift that we have for one another. And I thought about life as like, could we think like everything like that? Could we go into our week that everything that we have is a gift? Then we look at each other, whether your spouse is next to you, your children next to you, they're a gift. And I tell you, your kids, they get older and everything. The, 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 The age they are is a gift right now. That your life and the things that you have and the car that you drive and the food that you have and the home that you have and, and what if we went a week at least and just did a, 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 just a, a fast from chasing after all the material things what if we stopped doing that what if we took a little break from that? And, and what I mean by that is, what if we actually did that for a lifetime? What if we started putting in priorities of things that we're chasing after those things? Yes, you need to buy groceries, you need to pay the bills, you need to work. I get all that. But what if we actually just began to look at our gift, that w- that what we have as a gift? That enjoy the health you have as a gift. Enjoy the job you have as a gift. Enjoy the accomplishments God's given you. That we stop chasing after stuff, but actually just cherish them. Not, 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 not worship them, but recognize what we truly have been given. I like our team to come as we pray, and I've always challenged us already with this. Let me just ask this question as we pray: Are you going to keep chasing wind, or are you going to chase Jesus? That's the question you and I have to face each and every day. Who am I pursuing? Not what I'm after. Am I pursuing Jesus? To chase Jesus when we have that mindset it will lead to a place of satisfaction solomon he went and experienced everything humanly possible you can experience and came out nothing do you think this week whatever you're chasing if if he the richest and most powerful man in the world had it all and chased it all and even attained it all at the end of the day says it's meaningless never really experienced it fully what I want to experience. Why would we think that we could do the same in our budget? Why would you think we could do the same in our, our little lives? We'll never, ever have enough. Jesus the one that satisfies. The Bible says this. It tells us to, to run with perseverance. This race marked out before us. To fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. Of our faith. Will you pray with me? Lord, it's so important that we stop. Psalms tells us to be still and know that you are God. Lord, we we come in our life each and every day, we come with need. We have need for our bodies. We have need for our minds and our hearts. And there's, there's, there's need, Lord. We don't recognize that we don't have need. But Lord, will you help us put our need in perspective this week? Lord, will you help us to see our lives differently this week? That, Lord, when we begin, and Lord, we're just going to need your help with this, that, Lord, we begin our day, we begin our week, and we, we get, we're we off to the races. <laughs> we're, we're off to work, we're off to the things we do, and it's not that we shouldn't accomplish what we need to accomplish, and, Lord, you, you've given us responsibilities to do that, and, and people are responsible to us. But what if we approached our week differently? This week, Lord, we don't about the following week, but this we, we do it this week, Lord, we practice this week, that we wake up in our day, and, Lord, we would chase after your, not the things and the to-dos and all that we're desiring. But Lord, we first chase after you. That we would find you where you are. That we run after you. That we, we, we run after your heart. Lord, Lord we, we would, we would want to know your mind. That we would, we would want a relationship with you and desire you, Lord. Because we know that you're the one that truly satisfies Lord, we've run after pleasure. We've run after possessions. We've run after power. We've run after everything that, everything is out there, Lord. And, and we all know, we all know this. Even Solomon who had it all, was didn't have it all. But what we need is you. Oh, Lord, will you put a desire within us today? Will you put a deeper, deeper desire in each one of us that we run and pursue after you and you alone, that you are the one that satisfies you are the one that does this. And Lord, I pray for those here today that, that don't have a relationship with you. They've been running after, they would, they would admit today that, man, Lord, I've been chasing after everything else, but not you. Lord, I want you to be my Lord. I wanna be you, my savior today. They prayed that prayer, Lord, be my savior, be my Lord. And for us, God, again, we put you back on the throne. We would we pursue and please you, the king of our hearts, because you are good. You are good. In Jesus.